Hey, what's going on everyone? Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there listening to this podcast and, you know, just a happy Sunday to everyone else. This is the You Know I Got So and So in Stereo podcast. We are back with another episode. I, you know, Kyle's here. I'm talking in third person. I'm here with, with Tom and Ed. What's going on, guys? This dude thinks he's Dwayne Johnson. The Kyle is here. Calm down. <laughs> Tom, what's going on? Man, I saw this article I wanted to bring up before we begin. Uh, Bow Wow was chased back to his hotel the other day. You know, it reminded me of a story uh, that Ed told us once about when he was at a speaking engagement one time, and when he left the venue, he got chased back to his hotel. You know, for those who don't know, Ed's a minor celebrity and journalist, so... (laughs) Well, if I was chased back to my hotel, I'm sure it was from psychotic Mary J fans angry that I gave her album four stars instead of 40 stars so that's the only people <laughs> who stays in my mentions oh and those Tay Martians too but we'll wait until her album drops before I get there right man I can't wait till that happens but until then we actually have some new music that came out for once um, this week or, or this past week guys R&B is back isn't that right Tom <laughs> Uh, oh my goodness, man! Well, let, let me look. tell you why. Well, let me tell you why R&B is back, Tom. Omarion put out a classic R&B song, and when I say classic, I mean classic. Please tell him what song he put out. Reasons, a cover of Earth, Wind, and Fire. But did you see the comments by our readers? A few of them were afraid to even listen to it. Oh boy. And I listen to it, so I can speak on behalf of them. But before I go in, Kyle, please rescue your boy, O. Well, let me tell you this, okay? So, the reason, that's funny I'm saying reason, but the reason why he put Uh out this song was because his album, Reasons, was supposed to come out last week. But, as usual, his album got pushed back, and he had no new music for the fans. So he decided, you know what, let me just grab this classic earth wind and fire track cover it and just put it out he also did a music video for it which was kind of neat and when tom told me he's like yo omari uncovered the earth and earth wind and fire song i'm like let me guess he trapped it out and it's it's all that and it's everything that it's not supposed to be and tom's like no he just straight up covered the song so i was like okay cool that sounds kind of dope but then i was like Wait, it's Omarion, and he's not exactly prime-time vocalist. So I'm like, I don't want to listen to this. And I listened to it, and yeah. Ed? <laughs> oh, player, listen. I will say that when I first heard the song, or heard of the song, I was kind of like, not like you were. I was like, please, please, please don't trap out one of the greatest songs ever recorded. We cannot do this. Like, R&B cannot have this. This will not stand on my watch. But he sang it just straight. And while it was better than I thought it was going to be, it was still Omarion singing Earth, Wind, and Fire. And this brother is no Maurice White player. That falsetto was drier than Tom's chicken. Oh, my God. Don't bring my chicken into this. Your chicken... Is fine. Omarion is not. I mean, and on one hand, I applaud him for. We talk all the time on this podcast about 
younger artists doing their best to keep the classic foundation of R&B alive. And that is what I think he was trying to do here. But you gotta have the skills to back it up, player. I need vocals, not hopefuls on this thing. It is... It sounds like your little cousin just singing karaoke. Like, they're playing Reasons on the at the cookout, and your cousin just starts singing along with the... It's just that. It is not a professional release. <laughs> it ain't good. Well, I actually didn't mind it. I didn't... I mean... I didn't expect greatness, but here's the thing. To me, it's just confusing because, first of all, Ed, he's not really the younger generation. He's over 30 now, but I know what you mean. But the thing is, it's like confusing to his fans. Isn't he, He's putting out turn-up songs. His last single was reggae-themed or whatever it was, and now it's like, I'm going to start singing a classic R&B song. Do his fans even want to hear that from him? I, get, I bet they don't. I bet half of them haven't even heard of the song. Exactly. It's just weird you know what, to me. Though? I didn't even know Omarion had a falsetto. I started thinking back. I'm like, I've never heard Omarion sing like this before. Because in all of his solo and stuff. see you why. It's always that one, one tone that he has. And he tried to go out of his comfort zone this time. And didn't really work out too well. But I'm with you, Ed. I actually am happy that he embraced the legends before him. And he tried something. I mean... I mean, I, I'm sure he just did it for fun, but it was kind of cool to see that there's still artists out here who know what came before them, and, you know, even if it didn't successfully work out in terms of his cover, you got to give him some props for trying. No, and I do that, and I will say there were times where he slipped in his normal Omarion tone, and he didn't sound bad singing that, but it was when he hit the falsetto is when he started trying to mimic the original song, and there's no way. When you mimic the same vocals from the original recording, and I've talked about this a thousand times, and nobody listens to me, but when you mimic it, all you do is remind people of what the original song sound like, and there's no way that you can measure up anybody. Nobody can measure up to the greatness of that song. If he had kept his own tone, maybe it would have lurked a little bit better, but if you coming off like a bootleg Maurice White, it's going to sound cheap. Hmm. Speaking of legends, another legend put out a new single um, early last week with uh, B. Slade, and that is Shaka Khan. Ed, you love Shaka Khan, don't you? I do, and I haven't heard this song yet. I, you mentioned it to me right before the um, podcast. And it slipped my mind, and I figured I had to go back and look. So I'm very interested in hearing how this one turned out. Well, the song actually has a really positive message in the video. Um, she even tapped in the, to fans to cover it, and she's going to include their stories in the video, I guess. It's pretty cool. It touches on some uh, social issues. So I was, it was cool to see her do that. Yep. And then Shout from- out to Shaka, still doing the thing. Legendary artist, and from one legendary artist to another, my boy Mario put out his eleventh oh, first no. single for his new project, which is now <laughs> titled Cosmo Seventeen. Man, the guy announces he's going to put out a project, puts out a single, scraps it, and repeat, rinse and repeat like thirty times in a row. And this new song is called "Pain Is the New Pleasure," and let me just tell you, it's like Mario that I've never heard before. I don't even know if it's an R&B song. I don't even know what it is. It- I don't either. Now, this song I did hear, and 
here's the problem with this song. The message is actually, I see where he was going with the message. He tried to kind of weave kind of a little bit of social commentary in there, but he did it like kind of subtly. So it wasn't like hitting you over the head and being preachy. That part was good. But it's just yet another artist that's just kind of bowing to this trapping B trend, if you want to call it that. This R and bass or whatever you want to make up. And it just doesn't work for his vocals. It doesn't mesh up with. Like this is a guy we know can sing and know can belt out. And it seems like he's actually holding back just so he can do this rappy stuff over the beat. It's just unnecessary. What was interesting to me is when I saw the title, I was like, this guy must be suicidal or something. Pain is the new pleasure? That doesn't sound good. <laughs> I was like, someone check, go check on Mario. Jeez. Well, Tom, his, his mom just passed away not too long ago. So I mean, I didn't know that. I, I just saw the title, yeah. and I just assumed the worst. But I'm glad he's okay, I guess. Yeah. Well, yeah, the song talks about a lot of, not only his pain, but some stuff that's going on nationwide. And again, it's a good concept. It is, again, the delivery that's jacked up. And I don't understand why artists... Look, a Bryson Tiller, when your vocals are on E, okay, I can see you trying to do this stuff. But when we have artists who can actually sing, why do you have to do this? You don't have to do this. You are at the pinnacle. Like, let loose. Don't hold back. You know what, though? This song didn't really come off to me as like a trappy type of song. It kind of came off as a, like an alternative. I want to say even like what Miguel tried to do on his last album. I mean, I think some of Miguel's stuff in terms of quality was way better than this. But I wasn't too opposed of the sound that he was going for. I think it was just the execution. It didn't really work for me. Right, that's what I'm saying. It's more, and again, it's not a trap song per se, but his delivery of his vocals like the way he delivers the verses those sound like the arrangements that a Bryson Tiller or whoever would quote unquote sing and that yep. would bother me more than anything mm-hmm. so Mario's new EP or new album I'm not sure what he's going to do with this Cosmo 17 is set to come out uh, in the fall but knowing that it's Mario it might not come out um, but <laughs> if it is to 17. come out it will probably be in 2017, which is, I think, what the 17 represents in the title. But it could be Cosmo 18 if it gets pushed back. Um, yes, the yeah. original title was Cosmo 11. And it's... Well, was- <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> uh, now, we're talking about all this trap stuff and people having great vocals. And it's time to bring them back up. The general, the R&B general, Tank, is back with his new song, When We... And then I, I think he says the F word after that. But Tank is back with his new single with a new album to follow later this year, Savage, which seems to be like the most popular it's word on the internet. It's called Savage? I didn't see that. It, yeah, it's called Savage. Okay. I'll tell you what, guys. Every time Tank has a new single out, and I told Kyle this, I get excited. Only because I'm just waiting for him to recapture that past glory that we know he's capable of. And I know it's coming at some point. Maybe it's not, but... Oh, I just didn't want him to go in the sound again, and he did. Uh, look, player, I'm going to say what I'm going to say, and you can direct all comments to E.T. Bowser on Twitter. These comments are the property of Edward T. Bowser, and not you know I got soul. So here goes. Sorry, Tom, because you're going to give me a scold. Listen, I love Tank. I have loved Tank for years. 
But like Tom, every song that comes out, I keep hoping we get classic Tank. And how long has it been since we've gotten classic Tank? Like, I feel like we're going on a decade now. Like, it's been a long time since I've had a Tank project that I love. Not just one or two okay songs here or there. And this song drives me nuts because if you listen to it, he sounds great. But the vocals are horrendous. I'm like, dude, you about 40. You cannot be writing songs that sound like a 22-year-old. It sounds like the, what's his name, the ear drummers, the guys that do all the goofy Beyonce songs and the Uzi Verts. Like, the lyrics are just so crass and juvenile. It just doesn't do anything for me. And even though the arrangement is good, the vocals are good, it's yet again another artist who, who we demand more of just doing what everybody else is doing. And I hold a tank to a higher level than that. So you got to come harder with this. And with the project called Savage, uh, I think we're going to get more of the same of this. So I want the old tank, but I think old tank might be gone tank. Tank is on E for tank. The thing I find most annoying is... Um on his Instagram when he posted this song, and I think it happens a lot now in R&B, they'll release a trap song, but the caption will be something like, uh, this is what you've been missing, that real R&B. I'm like, all right, I think we're on to something here. And I remember when this song was about to come out, I think Tom was like, hey, the song is called When We. That can't be a trappy, trendy song, right? And then we listened to it, and it is a trendy, trappy song. So false advertisement is not good, ladies and gentlemen. Please don't do that. No, and again, like this song is a perfectly solid song. It's not even like the beat is great. He sounds great, but the lyrics are just so I'm not even going to repeat them because I'm a grown man. And it's like, come on, y'all. I know that every artist and we've talked about this a thousand times. Every artist wants to sell and they want to get on mainstream playlists and they got to kind of do what's mainstream. And unfortunately, that is controlled by the youngins but I don't want my veterans sounding like 15 year olds is not going to play for your audience they're going to be like I'm not dealing with this and it is turning me off and making me just want to put on the original sex love and pain because that's the only way I can hear the tank that I want to hear so you're telling me if you mm -hmm. call something real R&B even if it's not I mean it doesn't count nope funny how that works out <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Huh. Yeah. Wow. Um, got a couple more. Pro Man, this was a pretty heavy week for R&B, so we have a lot to talk about. We have another artist, Tammy Rivera, who I did not know existed until a week ago. And I think Tom can say that as well. Ed, I think you do watch those Love and Hip Hop shows? Play on, please. You're going to watch these hands. <laughs> I only know of these people because their names infest my Twitter and Facebook all the time. So I know of them. I've watched that show literally like twice. Well, this Tammy Rivera um, singer, I was looking at the iTunes chart and her new single like charted to like number one instantly, instantly and I was like, who the heck is this? And then I saw Rico Love um, promoting it on his Instagram, so I'm like, okay, well Rico has something to do with this, let me take a listen because he can write some decent songs. And I listened to it and you know what, it, it sounds pretty good, I mean it's a, it, it is an actual traditional R&B song, kind of reminds me of... Monica in a way, but uh, it was a pretty good listen. Did you guys get a chance to listen to it? I I actually have not yet. 
you told me you you noticed it was on on it was charting, right? Yeah. And that that was pretty interesting. That a song by someone you know Rico Love or a big supporter of kind of came out, flew under the radar. But the thing is, for me, when I hear of a reality star putting out a single, I usually assume it's going to be trendy and we're, it's just not going to be for us. So I was a little surprised to hear you say it was pretty good. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, I've yet to hear it too. I think isn't she? I mean, she's on Love and Hip Hop, so I'm assuming she's with some rapper. Ain't she's with Waka Flocka? She's yep. a one of them. That That's I correct. Like. She is uh, Miss Waka Flocka. Miss Waka Flocka. Anyway, I'll pray for you. But um, the thing is, a lot of kind of like Tom says, and it's a little unfair when we see kind of artists that we haven't heard of and we only know through reality TV shoot through the top of the charts is not surprising because that is how you promote yourself these days. It's not, there's no 106 in part to run to or video soul. You get a reality show and that's the best way to build your brand. Then when you come out, you have a fan base, you can come out with any old song and everybody's going to copy it because they're fans of Tammy. And I don't know Tammy at all. I don't know this song, so I can't weigh on it one way or another. But I think that what you're seeing, you're going to see more of this where artists build their brand. We see it on social media. We're going to see it on TV where instead of going and sitting on the couch and dropping your new video with AJ and Free and calling to the show and getting on the countdown, you just have a TV show and then we get to know you through your crazy zany antics. And then you drop a, a, a little single, and everybody cops it because they're your fans. So it's weird, but that's where we are in 2017. I'm trying to think right now. Is and I, I mean, I hope this doesn't come off as a, offensive, but is K. Michelle the only R&B act that has like made a career, a singing career, off of the success of the reality TV shows? Well, please, Tamar. Well, I mean, Tamar was. Well, I mean, I guess she wasn't popular back in the day, but she already had a career. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> Trust me, player. I mean, you can rewrite history all you want. I was around when Tamar first dropped and when the Braxtons first dropped. Nobody was checking for them. It wasn't until the reality show when she got to do her bomb.com ratchet stuff that she gained a following. And then when she gained a following, she could put out music because she had a built-in fan base. It, you could never question her ability. She could always sing. But it was just, she was always casted as the other Braxton, and she didn't have her own identity until she made it on reality TV, and she had this other identity, and she can relate, release her stuff. We saw the same with Kate Michelle. So that's the way artists are doing it these days. You know, I was it's interesting. I was thinking about that recently. Um, you know, R&B divas and all the seasons they had, I feel like it should have done a lot more than it did for those artists, but I feel like it was partially the artist's fault. Like, did anyone actually have projects lined up that were, they were ready to promote while the show was still on the air? I feel like they lost the momentum because they didn't. Um, Some did. I was a big fan of that show. I don't watch too much reality TV, but I like that one. And I remember Shantae Moore's album coming out around that time. And her album was pretty decent. I can't remember if... Because Kiki was the breakout star of that show. And I just knew. I was like, this is what's going to make Kiki the the mega star that she should be. And I don't remember... She had an EP that came out, but I don't remember her releasing anything major, and I thought that was a gigantic mistake. 
Yeah. And I think Selena Johnson's album dropped during that time. Her album was really good, too. But I really thought Kiki dropped the ball because she should have been massive right. from that show. And somewhere Claudette Ortiz is crying, so. <laughs> Man. Just imagine, though, if she had an album out on the, at the time the show started, people could have, every time her name came up, oh, wow, she has an album out. Let me go get that. But she doesn't have an album out. She never had an album out. And unfortunately might never, uh, never will have an album out. <laughs> Claudette still looks good, though, so shout-outs to Claudette. Oh, um, boy. Lord. Now, back to Tammy Rivera. It got me to thinking. Rika loves executive producing that project. And Tammy's having all sorts of success with her single. Um, we also got to give a quick shout-out to Tierra Marie, who was Rico's last artist. And now she's not able to, make it, not able to have a career either because, well, she just isn't. So shout-outs to Tierra Marie as well. <laughs> what do you mean? That's the not- most awkward shout-out I've ever heard. <laughs> not able to have a career? She can have one if she so chooses. I mean, I don't know what she's I mean, doing. I guess. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Um, Has she done anything besides the last thing I remember was that sponsor song, which is horrible. But like, has she done anything since then? Yeah, she she had a single with uh, Rico, I think, back in ooh, this was two thousand and eleven. She was signed to Rico's Division One label. Uh, put that out might one... have been around the time that sponsor song. Yeah, it was around oh, that yeah. same period. Yeah. Um. So shouts to Tierra Marie. Uh, and the last project that came out, and this is one that Ed and I were very excited about, Tom not so much, but our boy Gatano has proclaimed this as one of the top three R&B albums of the year, and that is Her Volume 2. Ed, I know we loved Volume 1. Is Volume 2 just as good? Um, I was shout out my boy Gatano. I love him to death, but I think he accidentally, when he made that ruling, he was accidentally listening to Volume 1. And not oh. Volume 2, because I was not a fan of Volume 2. And I'll explain why. Because I've been a huge supporter of her as Kyle. As Kyle. Tom is not disliked, but just been a little indifferent to her sound. And he can expound on that later. But it was an opportunity, building off of the first album, to do something a little stronger. Like, you got our ears now, so this is the time to turn it up. I felt like this album, it just felt like leftovers of the first album. And these are EPs, by the way. And the first EP felt like an album. This really felt like an EP. And by that, I mean it feels like demos or like songs that they're fully completed songs, but they sound too similar. There's a stretch of it. They're only like six or seven tracks on the thing. And there's a stretch where like three of the songs sound exactly the same. That should not be an issue when the running time is that short. It just is too monotonous, doesn't deviate enough from the original sound. And she sounds fine. But there's a difference between being singing a low register and kind of singing low tempo songs and being straight up sleepy time. And this joint was straight up sleepy time. So I was quite disappointed as far as what we know she can do and what we expected. So I'm hoping that we can get a full length release that shows a little bit more diversity in the tracks. But this, I know a lot of people loved it. 
My cousin was just raving about it earlier today. He thinks it's great, but it just put me to sleep. I didn't listen well, to it, guys. Um, I well. maybe I'll take a <laughs> listen eventually. Are you surprised I didn't listen to it? But it's just—it's no. almost like one of those things. You know, she's capable of more vocally. You even called her a musical prodigy, and I believe she is. It's just like, come on, stop holding back, give it to us. And you never, it, it, in the listening to the first one, it never got to that point. So it's just too down tempo for me. And I guess I'll listen to it eventually, but I don't know. Well, it's kind of like we were saying earlier about, um, I can't remember who we were mentioning earlier, who I felt like was just kind of holding back. Mario. When it comes to, yes. And. I don't want everybody little mowing it and like hitting the high notes every other second on the track and just like blowing it away. There has to be kind of, if you want a project that's going to be kind of a little bit more mellow, that's cool. But the first album kind of not only had mellow sounding songs, but the beats were different. The way her inflections, they kind of were flowed in and out. And even though, so you had kind of a mellow release overall, the song sounded distinctly different. This, it just sounds like monotone almost because she's singing in the same register. It's the same kind of sparsely produced production all the way through. It just runs together. And she is capable more of that because we just heard it like last year. We know she can do better than this. This just felt like old songs that weren't good enough for the first release. And that's why I was disappointed. Yeah, I'm kind of with you on this one, which is kind of surprising because... As I was going into this um, project, I expected big things for it. And, um, I mean, it had some good songs on it. I don't want people to take away this podcast thinking this EP was trash. But Oh, no. The, I mean, obviously, when I listened to the first project and then I listened to the second one, I knew there was no way she could top the first one. Just how it was presented and just how the first project started out, I knew there was no way. It, it could have been different, but there was no way it could have been... I mean, it could have still been good, but there was no way it could have been the same. But as I listened to it, I, I think you're right, Ed. Some of it did sound very demo-ish. Like, it wasn't finished yet. It, it was just mi- missing that final touch. And then there yes, were a couple and of songs. there were more than one song that was like that. Yeah, and then I think the one thing that annoyed me is on particular on some particular songs, it was like she was trying to bring it back to that traditional R&B and she was singing a little more on it and then just midway through this song the the beat would just slow down and it would just turn into a trap song which sounded mm-hmm. great but when you already have four other songs like that it the appeal of it isn't as as cool exactly so. it lacked the the sonic diversity that you need for a project like that there's no I have no problem with someone having down tempo songs I have no problem with kind of singing in low register, but you can't do it at the same tone, at the same pace, for like 45 minutes. Because if you do that, you are going to be putting people to sleep behind their cars. Yeah. But my question to you guys is, where does she go from here? So, Volume 1, obviously, created the fan base. Volume 2, I'm sure a lot of people like, um, despite Ed's opinion of it and my opinion of it. But where does she go from here? Like, I don't see how she can do another slow down volume or EP like I think she, it, it might be time for her to switch it up well first of all how are the numbers on this one have you seen anything 
Um, not yet. I haven't seen it. It's an EP, so I don't I don't know how that works because I don't think there's a physical copy of the uh, of the album out. Oh, so there's no. But I'm sure it's streaming well. Yeah, I'm just curious to see how yeah. it's compared to the first one so far. I don't know. I, I wonder even how this this is going to sound live. I mean, you know, can you imagine this as a live show? Forget about the image. I'm just saying the, the music. I, I can see it working as a live show. Again, kind of as a, just a lower tempo kind of, and it's one of those things where she's going to have to throw in some covers or something because you can't, that's my problem with that second release. You can't, have a show for 30 minutes at that level. A show has to have peaks and valleys. Like, has to have times where it comes up a little bit. And I don't feel like this one ever comes up enough. So, I don't know. I, I'm for, for volume, first of all, I don't think there should be a volume three. I always said that I liked her as an original eye-catching gimmick. Like, okay, who is this? I felt like the next thing should have been her real album of her stepping from behind the shadows. Like, maybe even literally on the album cover. Like, her stepping out of the little shadow thing. And then her being who we know she is. So, I thought that that next album should showcase some of that sound that made her popular. But also show some of the other things she can do. She was performing on BET a couple years ago. We know what she can do. So... Just take that fan base that you built and step it up. I felt like this was kind of, okay, everybody likes this, so let's give it to them all over again. And you can't, I've talked about this a million times, you, artists can't keep doing the same thing over and over again because it's going to get old fast. Well, I'm looking at Volume 1 and Volume 2 as an album in, in its entirety. I just don't think people have the attention span to listen to 14 songs straight so i understood why they put it out like that but it'll be interesting and i'm just like visualizing what you just said there imagine if gabby wilson walks out of her silhouette with a guitar and everyone's just like oh it's her we don't care anymore <laughs> imagine that <laughs> well if, i mean if she had come out and it's terrible to say it's and it hurts me to say this but that's the reality we live in that's why we're talking about tammy on um, the love and hip hop doing what she's doing to gather attention. But if Gabby came out just from jump, would she have gotten that buzz? Absolutely not. It would have been the same thing like when I post about these other artists and people are posting them, Papo, who this man gift that they love to post. Like, listen, this is an opportunity to, to learn about a new artist. So if you're a fan of the genre, do that. But a lot of listeners are lazy, they ain't gonna do so she did the her gimmick to garner attention. It gave a lot of buzz. The music became the selling product and not the artist. And I, thought, I thought it was a very brilliant thing to do. So now that the music is out front, now this is time for her to not be her and to be who she really is. But instead, we just got more of the ghost lady. And I don't know how that's going to work. I do disagree with your assessment that people aren't attentive enough to listen to a 14 track album they need to step their attention game up but if you combine those two eps i don't think it makes a good album because it's way too much of the same thing well we'll see uh what she has in store for us i think uh she's performing at the bet awards uh later on this month and she's going to be on tour with bryson tiller next month 
So we'll see what happens. And lastly, I have a new project to announce for everyone. You guys are going to be excited about this. It's two of the two of the most uh, popular male R&B artists. They're coming together for a joint mixtape. I'm talking about Chris Brown and Ray J. And Ray J. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Is this real life or a joke? It's actually coming Please out I think this week. No, it's coming out this week. Wait, okay. this is like you're for real about this? Oh yeah. Chris Brown and Ray J sounds like somebody the Avengers need to be fighting, not somebody that needs to put out music. Ugh. Uh. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> cool. Yeah. And also, Tom says I'm too old to be listening to Chris Brown now. So. I think you've outgrown him like Ed outgrew Ninja Turtles years ago. First of all, you can never outgrow the Ninja Turtles. I have a Ninja Turtles t-shirt around here somewhere that still gets worn. Wow. No, never outgrow the Turtles. But I never grew into Ray J and Chris Brown, so there. I kinda with, I'm kind of with Tom on this one, Kyle. Get over it. There you have well. it. You got voted down. <laughs> So, yeah, that's that. Uh, but that got me to thinking. We've been talking about a lot of different male R&B artists um, throughout this entire podcast. They're all putting out music. And a lot of them, to be honest, are struggling in 2017. But that got me to thinking. What happened to being a sex symbol in R&B? A male sex symbol when we think of the Ushers, the Genuines. Who else was a sex symbol? Is, was Keith Sweat considered a sex symbol, Ed? Of course he was. Oh, right. I mean, you gotta ask my grandma and them about that. But like, yes, he was. Remember Sexiest that flyer we saw? Yep. <laughs> but that got me. That to flyer thinking. told no lies. Oh boy. Got me thinking. Listen, guys. I was at a concert where women were literally throwing draws at him. He didn't pick it up though. It's, he walked over to the stage, looked at it, and then walked away. Oh, you must have a, a key sweat poster with shirtless in your in your bedroom. Does your wife allow that? I actually, this is a true story. When Uh-oh. I before I got married, before over my bed, I had this gigantic poster of Biggie, and she was like, "When we get married, that's the first thing that's gonna go." And unfortunately, oh. she kept her word. Jeez, I had to put it in my office because she was like, "I'm not <laughs> going to sleep with this man looking over me every night." No, I just Biggie. But no, I don't have a shirtless picture of Keith. Well, but I mean, to Kyle's point, like. I think sex symbols exist. They just exist in a different way. Every generation's sex symbol is different. You had Keith in the 80s. You had Usher in the 90s. Well, actually, Usher was more 2000. Genuine, maybe more in the 90s. Oh, no, we had J- Jodeci with those. These dudes would wear no shirts and a vest on. So they would just be like a vest like your uncle wear to church with no shirt underneath. So you had them. Then you had the Ushers and Genuines. And now we've got... Cousin Chris and Ray J, Team STD, that's what we got for sex symbols. (laughs) So, sex symbols are unfortunately an evolving creature, and what's sexy now compared to, if you ask the kids in my youth group, is skinny little boys with a whole bunch of tats with weird colored hair. That's what I was going to say, though, Ed. Like, you're mentioning Chris Brown and Ray J, but I don't even consider them to be part of this generation. Like, Trey... When you when you look at what he's doing on stage, and you compare it to some of the newer guys like a Bryson Tiller, 
or a weekend it's just like it's two different things like i'm looking at these male r&b artists today they just walk onto the stage with a hoodie with some jeans all tatted up and i think that kind of goes against the the uh the description of what r&b is which is all about love here you have some thugged out people and they're not talking about love anymore and i think that's really hurting the genre Oh, that's all. That's long been an issue with the genre. Just listen to this Tank song that made me want to fight. Of all people, and again, about when we say love, I don't mean that you have to be being sappy or anything like that. You can talk about sex, but you don't have to do it so crudely. And that's what I have issue with when we got 40, 45-year-old artists doing that stuff. It just comes off as cheap. But you're right. The love is gone, player. Like, it's gone. And unfortunately music now r&b quote unquote on mainstream stations isn't even about love it's more about girl you did me wrong so forget you or girl your man ain't doing you right so you stupid for staying with him so get with me those are pretty much the two themes of the songs you can thank drake for that because he was the one that spearheaded that movie that's what i've been saying just about every of the past few podcasts Let's stop calling it even R&B and putting it in the same category as Charlie Wilson, guys. Come on. <laughs> You're not going to let the that same. one down, are you, Tom? <laughs> it's, it, I'm serious. How I mean, he's you... not half, no, he's not half wrong. The only reason, and, and I don't want to get into what's R&B and what isn't, because that'll be another 15 minutes. But, I mean, the songs, unfortunately, I still categorize them as R&B because of, the sound and production and blah 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 because that's how I categorize R&B but the actual content that content is hip hop player the attitude is hip hop and it's hard to categorize that next to a Charlie Wilson who is still doing it like he used to do it and music evolves so I'm not mad at that evolution but it's hard to put it in the same category I do but I understand why people don't well, here's a question for you guys, and this is a little more sociology than music, maybe, but I feel like, I mean, the stage presence, it's not there anymore. Like, there are no superstars, and I think part of that, I'm going to go back to, you know, all these young R&B artists, they're just wearing hoodies now. Like, I remember Michael Jackson had the glove. Usher used to come up with some cool jackets, but, like, them coming on stage with hoodies, it just makes them look like a regular person singing. Do you think that's causing a problem? You know what it is I'm seeing, though? It's interesting. Like, back in the day, you used to pay for a performance. I think where we're at now in music, it's almost like you're paying to be in the same room as the artist and hear them live. It's not like you're oh. paying for entertainment anymore. You know what I'm saying? Tom is preaching with that one. Pass the collection plate. <laughs> it's weird, though, <laughs> because you're so, you're, it's supposed to be entertainment. I mean, you're getting to hear them sing. They're barely doing that as it is, but... But it's just I was so weird. Say, it depends who you're going to see. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So how yeah, it's it's all about star presence, and it's all about when you were talking earlier about the weekend and how he's like, no way is that thing a sex symbol. At least he cut the broccoli off his head, whatever <laughs> that thing was. But like, it's all about like the experience of being in the presence of a quote unquote star, as opposed to seeing a show. Because when really, when you think of an artist today, who's going to give you a show? You got Beyonce, you got Bruno, you got, I guess, Usher, if he's not doing No Limit. But, like, there's really a people that you can count on one hand that gives you a show. Now, no one can do a show because people can't perform at that level. So, you're just going to pay money to be in the aura of 
this quote unquote star. So they don't have to step their game up. Because you paying money to see me walk around on stage with what I wore to Walgreens. So why should they care? They got your money. I'll take it a step further. Not only are you paying to be in the presence of the star, you're paying to be able to Instagram and Twitter the fact that you were at that show. You know how cool you were doing the promotion for them, players. You know how yes. cool that makes you look that you were able to be there and tell all your friends that you were there. And I think we kind of adapted. I think we kind of adapted that from all that was going on in the EDM world with like the Calvin Harris and who's another one? I, I don't even know their names, but don't, don't mention it, him, please. Come on, the guy's putting out some heat right now. No, not him. The other one. Who is the other one? Um, David. David Guetta. Oh, yes. <laughs> Jesus. The guy that single-handedly killed R&B, brought Neo and Usher to, like, the lowest points in their career. Shout-outs to <laughs> oh, David Guetta. Gosh. I don't blame him. I blame them. They know better. But whatever. You know what, though, Ed? I was talking to Tom about this yesterday. We didn't have it so bad when we were in the in the glow stick and fist pumping era. At least they were still singing. Now we just have people trapping left and right. Oh, you had it pretty bad, player. <laughs> no, we did. Don't let today's terrible situation remind you how terrible it was back then. And don't forget about T Pain. He's the one that I want to say has the heart of R and B in his back pocket. Blame that guy. But don't get me started on your boy T-Pain, because then y'all going to be on my feet. He can actually sing. I know he can sing. That makes him even worse. <laughs> Hilarious. Now, um, just a quick note. I read this on a forum, so I can't confirm whether this is true or not. But uh, we've got some news on the new Justin Timberlake project. Um, apparently, it's going to be like a blues soul album. I don't, actually, no, it's like a bluesy pop jazz album. That's what they're calling it. Um, has a Motown influence on it. Uh, nothing straight up country, but a couple of country songs on there. Apparently a duet with Beyonce. And you guys will be excited to know he turned down a, fe- a future feature. <laughs> if this is true, I'll applaud him for that last part. Uh, but, looking forward to hearing it, I guess. I mean, we'll see. I mean, he's one of the artists that is able to just to make the music that he likes. So, And you can tell. So we'll definitely be looking forward to that one. And I think that pretty much wraps up this week's uh, R&B stuff. Um, unless Seven Streeter's album gets pushed back again, which I hope it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it, pushing it back on her birthday is just like the worst thing ever. Just let the girl album drop and get it over with, please. Yep. Same with Tinashe. I'm tired of hearing about her in the news and all the bad stuff that goes with there. So just let her drop her second album as well. That's been in the works for like two years now. But once Seven's oh, album... <laughs> we don't have enough time for me to go off on Tinashe. But I will say this real quick, and I'm going to leave it alone because I know Tom doesn't want us to touch it. But I'm going to say this really quick. Before you go on Twitter, retweeting and sharing and slandering people for the fun of it, I am begging y'all to actually go back and read what the artist said. Because I saw all this Tanache slander. And because I do this for real, I'm a real journalist. I went and read the article to see what she actually said. And it was not at all what everybody was slandering her about. So what happened was someone took it out of context. Twitter went crazy. 
and spent the whole day picking on poor Tanache when she didn't even say what well, she said what they said, but in a different context. So before you get riled up by Twitter, I'm begging you to go do some research and stop listening to what MJB fan 847 said. All misspelled. What fun is reading about the situation before actually commenting on it? That's no fun. It's oh. better to just form a judgment before even knowing what the hell is going on. <laughs> yep. I guess. Actually, I, Tom. I, I promise you I'm the only person with common sense on Twitter. I am Tom, the only person. Tom, that reminds me. I was on Instagram earlier, and I haven't seen the movie yet, and neither has Ed, so we can't confirm it. But apparently in the Tupac movie, he's using an iPhone 7. <laughs> if anyone has seen the Tupac movie yet, please go into the comments of this post or tweet at us because I want to know if this is true because this is too hilarious to be false. Please tell me. So, uh, I want to get into our Hall of Fame discussion now. Last week we had a pretty controversial discussion about Chris Brown, who I still think should be in the Hall of Fame, but you guys said no. Um, Also, Tamia was not inducted into the Hall of Fame either, so we just got a bunch of Hall of Fame nominees, but... No inductions, but we've got two more for you guys. And, Tom, you know what I just realized? We can't call everyone a Hall of Fame nominee. Because Why? once we get into, like, the Rihannas of the world, there are R&B nominees as well. Wait a they second. They are nominated, so they can't Who, be a nominee. Who's nominating those? <laughs> guys, when we're, when we're into episode, like, 67, we're going to be running short on R&B artists. We're going to have to. But... Until oh, then. I, I agree when we're nominating Horace Brown and Rihanna, but until Horace then... Horace Brown! I think we've got a couple left in us that we can uh, talk about. Um, as usual, fan nomination, and then a nomination from us. This time, Ed's going to be nominating someone, but I want to start off with a fan nomination. This comes from one of our readers who's been asking about this for like a month now, and we're finally getting to it. We're going to be nominating Khalees came into the music industry with the Neptunes, with the crazy hair, the screaming songs, and uh, she's pretty much evolved now into sort of like a fashion icon, influences people in that realm, actually just put out like a cooking book, from what I understand, uh, a couple of years ago. So, Khalees still doing her thing, one of by far the most underrated R&B artists as well. So, Khalees, Hall of Famer, no. Is this uh, serious or is this like a joke? <laughs> you tell me. You just called a child a joke? I'm saying, I mean, I, I don't. We didn't even let Monica in. We didn't let Tamia in. We didn't let Faith Evans in. And, and they want to know if Khalees is getting in? I mean, come on. Sorry. I should Tom, <laughs> give us your reasons why before. Tell us why. Well, she should not be in. First Hold on, of Tom, all, didn't Khalees didn't Khalees change the uh, the R&B scene with her debut album? It was game changing. Um, I don't know if I go that far, but again, I'm gonna let Tom go before I go. Well, I mean, I don't think she has her first album. I like a lot, but I don't think she has any classic albums per se, in my opinion. Um. I, I mean, she's got some good songs. I'm a, I'm a big Khalees fan, but, I mean, we're talking about Hall of Fame legends. I don't consider her a legend by any means. And plus, she's put her music career on the, on the back burner 
I mean, I've never seen her do a show in, in all the years I've been covering R&B here in New York. So, yeah, she's a good artist. I like her. She's unique, but come on. I, I, this is the Hall of Fame. Ed? No, boy. Uh, to echo what Tom says, yes, I am a big Khalees fan. And I think Kaleidoscope is one of those albums, her debut album, is one of those albums that went unappreciated. And But I wouldn't quite say that it was a game changer. It helped. I think it might have been a game changer for the Neptunes, if I can say that. Because it showed that their quirk. And they had, of course, produced R&B well before this album. But it showed that they could do their quirky, bouncy little beats and still be incorporated into R&B and still sound fresh and new. So I think it was a great launching pad for them. But as far as the album itself, I don't feel like the album influenced R&B as much as the Neptune's work on that album would go on to influence R&B into the 2000s. So when you think of Khalees, most people on the street, you say Khalees, they're going to think of Milkshake. They're going to think of that Tasty album, which again was a good album. But she just has not, not only has she not had, outside of a couple singles, any long-term impact on the genre. Like Tom said, she's been a little too elusive. And I've, I'm one of these people that I'm very much for quality, not quantity. I don't care that an artist has put out three albums if the albums are great, as opposed to being like freaking Future that puts out an album every other month and they're all hot garbage. But there's just not enough there, I feel like, to even weigh for an R&B Hall of Fame nomination because outside of the Tasty album and the Kaleidoscope album, it's pretty weak. She's a solid artist, but when you look at the game changers that we already have in there, it's just not even close. Not in the league. So that's a no for me. Um, it's a no for me as well. But Ed, you did something really cool, and I don't think you even realized it. But you were describing Kalisa's music, and you said "fresh and new," and that's actually one of her songs, "Young, Fresh and New." Oh yeah, it is one of her songs. Yes, look at me killing it, even when I'm asleep at the wheel. <laughs> so that was pretty cool. Um, interesting point here, though. She only has one certified album, which was her Tasty album, went gold. All the other albums aren't certified at all. No, I'm not surprised. I always felt like her music was more of like for a cult following than actually breaking into the mainstream besides when uh, Milkshake broke through. So maybe that's what had to do with it. Yeah, she's one of those artists, especially in the 90s, that you remember caught, caught out there and those songs being big. But as far as impact on the chart, not really. Like it didn't blow up like you thought it did. But... Again, I love her. I think she's a great artist, but not in the conversation of the heavyweights we've been discussing. But to our friend uh, who recommended her, I will say I am a fan of Kaleidoscope, Wonderland, Khalees Was Here, and, and Tasty, believe it or not. I like all those albums, at least some of the songs. So, I mean, I could see why someone would be a big fan, just not Hall of Fame material, unfortunately. Yeah. I love um, Tasty and Kaleidoscope. Both were great. I like how Who's no one. Ma- I like how man, I like but... how no one mentioned the uh, Flesh Tone album. <laughs> I don't even remember the Flesh Tone album. The last one I remember was Food. When was Flesh Tone? That it was, was like dance music, right? It yeah. was. Uh, <laughs> it was like the EDM. 
Oh, that's probably why I didn't cross my radar. And just like that, I just realized David Guetta produced on that one as well. So there you go. <laughs> the cancer strikes again. <laughs> and and on a last note, um, this is a fun fact, everyone. So at the You Know I Got Soul office, whenever Tom leaves that office to go grab chicken and I'm the only one in the office, I'll sometimes play bossy. So... <laughs> oh, you probably sing it and act out the video too, knowing you. Jeez. Oh, All right, so that is a definite no for Khalees. We love her though. Shout outs to Khalees. And yeah. we're on to you, Ed. Who are you nominating this time? Let me guess. Or just kidding. Now, players. <laughs> listen, you are not going to make it. We're 50 minutes in. You might not see 60. So. I don't think we've done this artist yet. So correct the player if I'm wrong. You know the age stuff at the at my age the memory starts to go. So step in if we haven't. But I turned over to my giant wall of CDs because yes, I still collect those. And one stood out and I could not believe that we haven't discussed this yet. My nomination is Boys to Men. Woo! We haven't done that one yet? Now, no, we haven't. I don't think we have. And it's crazy because their catalog is insane. They, in my opinion, are the premier artists of the 90s. Their debut was like almost diamond. You've got two, their second album, which caught my eye. One of the greatest, maybe the greatest R&B album of the 90s. That one went diamond. Then you had some of their kind of like underrated albums evolution was very good that people seem to forget and their fourth album wasn't bad either now if we get into recent releases things get really suspect because who boy that collide album oh we can just skip over that but from front to back when you talk about one of the most influential artists of all time some of the greatest vocals of all time, greatest vocalists, some of the classic songs that have come out of that era, artists who defined an era, you don't get any bigger or better than Boys and Men. To me, they are first ballot surefire Hall of Famers. So somebody disagreement with me so they can catch all these hands. Well, does the fact that their catalog over the past, how long has it been? Over ten years, fifteen years, maybe even, they've done some. They they did some mm-hmm. cover albums and stuff, and uh, they've had one, their album recently that came out. You mentioned it collide, but realistically, Ooh. they only had one. Was it full circle in two thousand two, and then that was that was it for? No, they had some other originals. I'm sorry, I, I, I'm, but have any of them really been that good? Like, has that tarnished them at all? The fact that they haven't had any classics past, say, the early. 90s or mid 90s i mean that's a fair question i don't think it hurts them because when you have an album like two on your resume an album like that monumental i think that that's enough now there is you know you don't want somebody who just kind of one hit wonders it but and they clearly did not but they dominated a entire decade and most people these days can't dominate six months so the work they put in then is enough for five or six careers. So it doesn't bother me so much that later in their career when they had the roster changes and 
people bowing in and out out of illness and then horrible albums later on because it doesn't tarnish what they did before. So to me, it doesn't bother me at all. Oh boy. So, what? Um, are you done, Tom? Well, I was going to say, I, I mean, I think they're an obvious yes. I always like to just play the other side of the coin. But yeah, they're in for me. I don't think they're an obvious yes. I'm going to give them a yes, but here's my Please thing. Please tell me why they are not an obvious yes player. Yeah. Please, the floor is yours. Okay, here's my thing. So I'm only putting them into the Hall of Fame for the same reason that Tony Braxton is in the Hall of Fame. They've had two very strong albums. Their debut and their second one. Which I don't think... I mean, if we're looking at numbers, we can call them classics, but I don't think either of them is a, is a classic classic in terms of quality. You don't think the second album is a classic classic? No. Ashanti fan. No. You don't think that album is a classic classic, Mr. Still Waiting on Mario to release an album? Oh my goodness. Let me get a sip of this water. Ballads are good on that album. Ballads are very good on that album. Um, Trying Times, one of my favorites off that album. But those up temples, boy, no good. No bueno. Um, <laughs> and then, can we also acknowledge the fact that their burnout rate was faster than anyone I've ever seen? 1997, the Evolution album, that's not a good album. Was that a good album? I mean, I, it was okay, but I don't think it was great by any stretch. And then the album. I mean, after- it wasn't. It wasn't as good as two, but that's the thriller effect. Like, once you put out a thriller, everything is going to be like, well, it's not thriller. It's the Illmatic effect. Nothing is not as good as Illmatic, but what is? It's, it was a fine album. I liked Evolution. Uh, it sounded like... That's a, the one with Doing Just Fine, right? Yeah, but there were some songs on there that sounded like a very cheap version of 112. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Which isn't, ba- which isn't bad, but, like... They're the influencers, yet they sound like the influenced. Well, that, I'm, that, nah, I can give you that because that's an, uh, really an issue a lot of kind of maturing artists start to have. They start trying to sound like everybody else. And so that's Tank. We were just talking about that earlier. And then from what I remember on that Evolution album, wasn't like the first half ballads? Which is what everyone listened to, and then once you got to the second half of it, where the up temples happened, you just like didn't bother to listen to it anymore, or was that just me? Mm-hmm. I do remember. I'm like looking at the track list, and a lot of these are ballads up at the top. Yep. I mean, yeah, you might be right, but again, the album is still solid. I don't know where we're getting at this. Same, album same shot. deal. Same deal with the second album. First half was okay. It was only the second half that saved it. I have never heard a human being say that the Boys to Men second album was okay. My God. And how many classics does Chris Brown have, Kyle? Please let me know. Hey, guys, we talked about Chris Brown last week. We don't need to go back to that. <laughs> but oh, let's, continue on with their, let's get, continue on with their discography. Wasn't the Nathan, Michael, Sean, and Wanye album like the biggest disappointment known to mankind? it wasn't it wasn't great but again it wasn't horrid we didn't start getting to the bad albums see I gotta pull up their discography cause we didn't start getting to the bad albums till more recently okay 
So I just wanted to bring that up. I felt like they started off strong and they had definite classics. You can't even deny that. They have a lot of classics under their belt, but it wasn't as strong as people make it out to be in terms of their discography. Oh my. That's all I'm saying. Gosh. Well, you go back and listen to Ashanti Chapter 2 since you don't like Boys and Men's 2 album and tell me which one is better. Actually... All Baby is better than Water One Drive. Oh my god. Actually, I think Ashanti wrote a song um, tributed to Boys and Men on that Chapter 2 album. Do you know which Please song that was? Please enlighten me to this song. One minute you're here, the next you're going. Oh. I'm sorry. I, I love Boyz. I cannot. <laughs> I, I do can't like wait Man. until your mentions are burned down. You think Tanache got it bad last week? Ooh we well. Um, shout out to all the listeners. But anyway, uh, Boyz <laughs> to Men. I would like to say that I did. I did give them a yes because I do like a lot of their songs. But anyways, they are in the Hall of Fame. So congratulations to uh, the Boyz to Men for making it into the Hall of Fame uh, and. Who is the other one? Khalees? Yeah, we're sorry, Khalees. You can you're now known as a Hall of Fame nominee, but you're not being inducted, unfortunately. Khalees is cooking Sunday dinner right now. She ain't wanna <laughs> <have> music. <laughs> um do we have time to get into Ed's love letter or, or are we are we done for the week? I think we're out of time. Well well We'll get to it next week. Well, just being we honest, get- I didn't have one prepared anyway, so <laughs> no, okay. Oh gosh. <laughs> and I guess it's kind of my fault for uh, trashing Boys to Men's discography, but I know there will be someone out there that will agree with me. There must be someone. Well, out there. there are people out there that think Chris Brown should be in the Hall of Fame too. I don't know why they're walking the streets <laughs> and not in a mental institution, but there you go. Well, um, so we're gonna have to continue this next week. But before we get out of here, Ed, what's going on with SoInStereo.com? Well, we talked about love letters earlier on, and yes, I have a new love letters column up. So, folks are give me a hard time about not getting to their questions. I'm going to get to them. Give me a chance. I got a bunch of them I know, so I'm starting to whittle away. We've got one of those up. And I also, for my hip-hop fans, a review of Big Boy's most recent album, his third solo album. I was a little disappointed in it, but... Shout out to Big Boy, because even though my review, which I always feel are fair, um, it wasn't the most glowing review, he still liked it and shared it. So, shout out to artists who are are not insecure in their music and can take some constructive criticism, because clearly he could, and good for him, because I'm a huge fan and I like that show in my review, and I think Big Boy fans should check out the album. But unfortunately, it's not as strong as you would have hoped. And check out the site this coming week because we'll have more reviews on the way. Cool. Tom, what's going on with You Know I Got So? I know you did an interview recently. I interviewed Adrian Marcel this week. We tried to do it inside a building. I had picked out a public space in New York, but the security guard kicked us out. So we just had to do it in the middle of the streets of New York, and it was pretty cool, actually. And he actually performed. Oh, yeah. He performed in the middle of the street too with his guitar player, and uh, no one really stopped to pay attention. Someone even mentioned that in the comment. But uh, that's New York for you. That's a whole different story. But it was pretty cool. Adrian Marcel is a good guy. 
Uh, other than that, I was excited to have some new music this week. Remember last week I was bored, so hopefully we uh, continue in that direction. Uh, other than that, anything you got going out there in Canada? Well, I just want to add that uh, after this podcast, I'm going to reach out to and We're going to get Mike from Boys to Men on this podcast so we can talk about the discography. I think he'll side with me, but until then, I think we're out of here. Jeez. Oh, yes, please get out of here before I throw you out of here like Uncle Phil throws jazz out of the house. <laughs> All right, we're out of here. Peace. Peace. <laughs> Later. <laughs>